0: Should we just get a few details straight? So yeah. we're going to have to climb how many feet? All together, to the belfry, 205. And how many steps is that? 334. So you've got to be pretty fit. The yes. Case. What about the, the actual title of the place? We think of it as, as Big Ben, oh. the Tower of Big Ben. Is that actually the title no. for it? It's the Clock Tower. It says so on the door here. So where did Big Ben come from?
1: Big Ben is the nickname of the Great Bell. Official name, Great Bell, but everybody calls the Big Bell, Big Bed.
0: It's a wonderful spiral staircase with this uh, wrought iron balustrade, and looking up, goodness, it's the opposite of vertigo, you're looking up, layer after layer after layer of the spiral staircase. I think you've got a good head for heights. So John, when was the clock tower built?
1: It was completed in 1859. Who designed it? Ah, uh, Barry. Charles Barry, together with Augustus Pugin. He was interested in the decorative side of it.
0: Let's save our breath for the climb. Phew, we've uh, arrived at moderately level ground. Where, where are we now, John?
1: Right, we're in the prison room. Prison room? Yeah, 114 steps so far. About a third of the way. This is called the prison room this is because we kept an MP here one night when he wouldn't behave himself. It's true. Uh, When you become elected an MP in this country, you can't take your place in the chamber or take part in proceedings unless you first swear allegiance to the queen or king. In 1880, Charles Bradlaugh, he was elected MP for Northamptonshire. And when it comes to swearing in, he says, can't do that. I'm an atheist. I don't believe on the Bible. Uh, can I please affirm? Oh, promise my loyalty. They said, no, you can't. So in return, he refused to leave. He interrupted the proceedings. He tried to swear himself in. And basically, they got fed up with him, arrested him, and kept him up here overnight. A couple of years later, they passed the Affirmation Act, which now allows MPs to swear on the Bible or not they can swear on any religious item they want or not, as long as they promise
0: their allegiance. So the night in the slammer here was a step on the road towards that kind of parliamentary freedom then?
1: Parliamentary freedom and democracy.
0: Phew, how far above ground are we here? Right, if you have a look in the door here, on the floor, you'll see the figure
1: 182. 182 steps so far, just about halfway. So this is where we used to have a couple of minutes rest. And then they came along and they made it in an exhibition room. What you see in here, the brown things on the wall, they're not part of the clock. They're patterns for the great clock. If you want to make a cast iron wheel like that, you first make a wooden pattern for it, accurately. So you put in a big box of sand, make a nice mould from it, take the pattern out, pour hot metal in, and you get one of them. And we found these in, in the basement, ooh mummy, 10 or 12 years ago.
0: So these are the original mouldings to some these of the clock the, mechanisms?
1: Yes. 150 years old? Yep. Big Ben is the name of the Great Bell, or the Owl Bell. And we had two attempts at making that. We wanted a 14-tonne bell, which at that time would have been the biggest bell in the country. So they went to a uh, foundry, a place called Norton, near Stockton-on-Tees, cast the Great Bell up there. Came in at 16 and a half tons. Uh, Too big to go on the railways, it was so wide two trains couldn't pass each other on the tracks. So they put on a boat called the Wave, SS Wave, hauled it all the way down here, and offloaded it at a place called Maudsley's Wharf, it's where the Royal Festival Hall is. Put it on a low loader, and needed 16 horses to pull it across the bridge. The tower wasn't ready for it, so they put it up in a gantry, and it tested it and that was all right until a few months later along came Mr. Dennison. he's the man who designed it and he wasn't happy he wanted a bigger sound so he doubled the hammer size to half a ton and after three weeks it broke we'd had it for 10 months so we had to go to tender again and this time me as a white give us a 13 and a half ton bell and it took the great bell up in one lift it took 32 hours continuous winding by eight men at a time and it's up there now so if you've got your knees and breath back we will carry on so we're going okay. up we're going up. Oh. we're at the, at the clock mechanism room and this is normally where i stop and show people the clock this is the great clock or the westminster clock it's the largest Most powerful, most accurate public clock in the world. Mechanical, of course.
0: There's a wonderful inscription in uh, raised metal along the frame of the clock. This clock was made in the year of our Lord, 1854, by Frederick Dent of the Strand and the Royal Exchange, Clockmaker to the Queen, from the designs of Edmund Beckett Denison, QC. Fixed here, 1859. Correct.
1: Correct. It's about 10 times the size of the average cathedral clock. It's 15 feet long, four feet wide, 18 inches on the bed plate, and total weight is five tons. This section here, this set of wheels, is known as the strike train. All that does is operate the hammer for Big Ben. If you come over this way, this one's gonna work shortly. This is called the quarter train or the chiming train. This is the one that actually plays the tune. Like that.
0: That's that's the quarter hour? That's quarter hour, yes. It's a classic piece of Victorian engineering, isn't it? It's got those materials, those big, heavy, durable things like cast iron and steel. Built to last, correct, yeah. When they decided
1: to have a clock up here, one of its criteria was it had to be accurate to a second a day. Now, this was unheard of in Victorian times. In Victorian times, if you had a turret clock running at a minute or two minutes a day accuracy, it was considered to be a pretty good clock. How
0: good is the clock after 150 years of telling the time? Has it always managed to tell it to the second? No.
1: This is a mechanical device. It's an antique. It wears out. So, yeah, bits fall off it from time to time. If you remember last year, it was out of service for two months, while we put new bearings in the uh, going train and the and, and strike train. Uh, I was up here one day and uh, that brake lever fell off because of metal fatigue. So there, it does stop from time to time. Now, if you have a look on the the thing down there, you'll see a stack of pennies. These are old copper pennies? Old copper pennies. Now, if you put one of these pennies on that stack, you'll speed the clock up by two-fifths of a second a day. If you take a penny off, you'll slow it down by two-fifths of a second a day.
0: We know it works. We've done it for 150 years. So it's that precisely calculated. It sounds pretty kind of hit and miss, really, but you can actually calculate to to that degree of certainty.
1: The formula on the wall tells you why it does it. All to do with centres of gravity.
0: I have a feeling that there's a lot more up there yet to visit, so yes. should we, uh, we get a breath back and carry on going up? I've got good
1: news for you. You've got less than 50 steps to go, then it's downhill all the way.
0: That's loud. Wow, coming through all suddenly. Here we are. Behind the big glass roundel of the clock face. It's stunning. So have a look by number 9 up there. Can you see the
1: shadow of the minute hand? It moves every 2 seconds. And that's because we have a 2 second pendulum. Every time the clock goes tick The hands move. There it goes, inch by inch. And the hour hand is up there as well. The face itself is 23 feet across made out of cast iron sections and there's 312 bits of glass in it. Weight of each face is 4 tons. The minute hand is 14 feet long, it's a hollow copper tube. The hour hand is solid bronze at 9 feet.
0: Are these the original hands, are they, are yes. they they're the ones that were always installed, they've not been replaced they since have they were installed?
1: They have been replaced since they've been installed. If you like to look that way at the lighting, originally we used to burn gas. And that's what the hoops in the wall are for, for the gas man to climb up and light the gases. Because the lights go on at sunset and switch off at sunrise. These lights had to be in constant attendance. They didn't have the flame failure devices we have today, so they had to keep an eye on and make sure they stayed alight. Those two windows that have been slated out. That's where the gas van would rest overnight. 1906, we put electric light bulbs in, and then in 1994, we put these in. These are low energy, high efficiency, long life bulbs. We went green long before anybody else
0: did. So at night, that glowing clock face that you see on the skyline is powered by these, these bulbs? Yeah, 28 of them.
1: Now we We clean the face, these faces, about
0: every five years. I can imagine it's relatively easy to clean the inside of the face, but the outside might present one or two problems. What
1: we do is we get all of half a dozen young fellas, tie ropes around them and push them off the top. They abseil down on the outside. Well done, you've made
0: it! Whoa! So, this is the top. Here's the bell, here's Big Ben. And there's London all around us on a rainy day. Of course, there's not just the one bell, there's several to ring the chimes. It's four quarters and the great bell. Keep an eye on number
1: three bell up there. That's the first hammer to move. As soon as that moves, you've got half a second to plug your ears, otherwise you will jump. Right, so this is Big Ben. Seven foot six high, nine foot wide, eight inches thick weighs 13 and a half tons. Three months after this one was put up here, it cracked. What effect does that have on the chime? None. It, the crack doesn't go all the way through the bell. It's only about an inch and a quarter deep. He's supposed to ring E below middle C, but unless you've got perfect pitch, you wouldn't find out it's just ever so slightly flat. It's not the biggest bell in the world. It's not the, no longer the biggest bell in the country, but it's the most famous bell in the world. And that's because millions of people listen to it every day and can recognize it. We transmit the sound live on the BBC at 6pm and midnight. And millions of people listen to it.
0: That was possibly one of the most loud experiences I've ever had. It's not just the sound, it's the vibration. The whole place just shudders. <laughs> it is quite loud. Uh,
1: that's why we give you earplugs, I fear. If you look directly above us, all the way to the top, you'll see an octagonal shape. That's the base of a signal light called the Ayrton light. Now, when either house is working, when Parliament is working, a flag will be flown on Victoria Tower, that's the one down the road there, at half past ten in the morning. Sunset, flight comes down and that light will go on if Parliament is still sitting. So if you're watching the late night news tonight and somebody's being interviewed live with a clock face in the background, if there's a tiny little light above it, your MP is working very hard for you. He's on the job. That's what it's there for, is to tell the world that Parliament is at work.